believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Now, some of us are raised in the church. Some of us were not at all. My wife was not raised in the church. She was raised in a very skeptical Antichrist family. So in one day, she went from, you know, her professors at San Diego State and her family, how they were, her apostatized Catholic dad, to Sunday at Calvary Chapel and singing all those Maranatha songs of the early 80s. I didn't realize that when I met my father-in-law for the first time, I was everything he wished his daughter would never be married to. I was a surfer. I was a Christian. And I was going to be a pastor. And that first lunch date, he asked me, what's your plans with education? And I told him to go into ministry and serve the Lord. And I said, it's not too late for you. He goes, oh, it is. But it wasn't. Because the last three years of his life, I had incredible ministry with him. And I'm the last person he had cognizant relationship with before he stepped in eternity between me, him, and Jesus. 32 years later. God is in the business of saving people. And we think out there, it's the world versus the church, the church versus the world. Not so. We're going to always exist. We're praising Jesus in heaven. We're the 24 elders. The church isn't going anywhere. So all these masters of the universe that control all the media, do all the lying, cheating, stealing the things they do, it doesn't matter. They're going to come and go. Don't let them accept you. We're the church. Jesus loves the church. He's for the church. Church is super important. So would we say like, Ruth, your people will be my people. And this is something interesting for the body of Christ for the last two years. Because when we got... Fr- first round of COVID and all this stuff back in March, almost two years ago now, we were forced out of our churches and told to stay home. And then as we began to get back together in churches, we found no matter where that church existed, Florida, Texas, California, New Mexico, no matter where that church existed, nowhere near the same amount of people came back. Nor the core group of people that were originally in that church came back. It was never the same. They always say if a church moves even one block, they lose half the church. Because people don't like change. It's true. Well, we didn't move, but government and mandates and everything moved us out, and we made it different. We did Zoom. We did live stream. We did all these things. And like, wow, church is kind of different. And then some smaller churches like us began to open back up because we fit the criteria when we're still trying to play the game when the field goal posts weren't moving and all that. And bigger churches had to wait, and some waited so long until they just died because they could never fulfill what these people wanted them to do. But no matter how you look at it, and pastors I've talked to in different states under different circumstances, nothing's the same. And the one thing that I can say absolutely is about 25% to 30% of people that went to church two years ago do not go to church now. For various reasons. 
Some of them died and stepped into eternity. Why don't, you know, I mean, like, life happens. People die. More than a quarter million people die every day on planet Earth. And the medical field hasn't been as good because we've all focused on this, so all the cancer surgeries, all these other surgeries have been neglected, and these things have happened, and people go to the hospital, and you can't go visit them, and they die of loneliness, and there's no one there to encourage them, and they die on the side of a room, on a gurney. Yeah, we've all, like, a lot's happened. But do you love God's people? Are God's people your people? Do you want to be here with God's people? Do you want to join us online with God's people? Because some people cannot be here. I understand that. So I'm not saying we have to be together in person. But if you can't be together in person, do you want to be together in person? See, that's the real question. Because there's people that watch every service online here or watch every service with Pastor Brian or Rick Warren or whoever, you know, Bill Welsh or Joel Osteen, whatever. There are people that watch every service and they can't wait to tune in, worship the Lord with these people that they're connected with to watch that service, take notes, receive it. They, are, they want to be with God's people. Your people are my people. And that's a good thing, even if they can't be here. That's a very good thing. It's like David wanted to build the temple and God said, you know, you're not called to build the temple. Your son Solomon will build the temple. But as much as in your heart, it's a good thing. So if people can't be with us at church for various reasons, we understand that. But do you want to be with us? Do you want to watch Sam teach online? With Scott Cunningham back from being sick to come and lead us in worship? Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to hear the voice of the Lord with God's people on that day? Tonight? Tuesday? See, she wanted to be with God's people. She wanted to identify with the people of covenant and the church of Jesus Christ on planet earth. We want people to want to identify with us because we have the keys to the kingdom. Ours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we're not shrinking back to hide. We're just trying to figure out how to adjust our playbook to an ever-changing game that we're in called life in 2022, planet Earth. So do we want to be with God's people? Because what I would say I've learned is if people want, needed excuses not to come to church or want to be with Christians, they found plenty of them. <laughs> I can give you a bunch of them. The things that are loose are shaken when things get shaken, but things that are solid remain. And you don't have to be in fellowship with people to be remaining, but to want to be with them is, is the key to remaining. Because fellowship is like the coals in your barbecue. You pull it aside, it dies out faster than when it's joined with the others. And the devil loves to divide and conquer. And if we've seen anything in two years, it's attack the church, attack the church, divide, conquer within the church. Leadership of churches, divide them over these things. Movements in the church, divide them over these things and those things. Man, we could divide without even COVID's help and government mandates help. But you had COVID and mandates, we find it really easy to divide. On our best day, we're already in division. We think we know more than our neighbor. I remember telling Pastor Guy here at Shoreline years ago, I go, you know, Calvary guys think they got it all figured out. He goes, that's nothing. You should hang out with Southern Baptist. <laughs> I go, really? Like, oh, yeah, man, we got it all figured out. You don't even know. You Calvary guys are stupid. I was like, well, B, I thought we were the only guys that thought like that. <laughs> and we need to love God's people. I want to be with God's people. Let's be with God's people. Let's respect God's people. Let's value the distinctions of God's people. Let's be people of God that love God's people. Because Jesus died for God's people. We are the people of covenant here. 
and we want to be yoked with other people of covenant. And we don't want to make the bride of Christ the arm, the enemy of the leg. One body. Pastor Chuck Smith used to say all the time, the more you grow and mature in your faith, the less denominational you are. And when you're 60 and close to eternity, you don't have time to fight over petty stuff. There are things that are distinctions like the gospel and not the gospel. I understand that. But like missionaries in a faraway country, do you think people that have served Jesus in Pakistan or Turkey think about what separates them as much as what unifies them? If you've ever been in the mission field, you understand that the church comes together over their common faith and they need one another. Baptists and Calvary guys and Methodists or whatever and Joel Osteen's buddies and they, Rick Warren's friends, they, they don't, we don't have time to fight each other when you're in Turkey. You need to come together in prayer, agree on what you can agree on, the gospel, reaching the lost, and get to it. Your people will be my people. And I think it's very important for worship generation as we look at 2022 that we say, your people, Lord Jesus, your people will be my people. And if we're a follower of Jesus Christ that agrees with Jesus that his people are our people, it's going to be better for us, it's going to be better for planet Earth. And it'll be better for the fruit from our lives. Now, she also said, your God will be my God. This, this again, is just so profound. Because she's broken off from her family. Jesus said, uh, he said that unless a person hates their family, they can't follow him. That's a very strong passage there in the Gospel of Luke. And takes up the cross and dies themselves. It's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. He's not teaching to hate people per se, but like, he has to be supreme. You know, if there's just one relationship that keeps you from Christ, it will keep you from Christ. Jesus has to be supreme. He has to be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So for her to leave her family, her mom, her dad, her siblings, her nieces and nephews, like this is just so profound. But then she says, your God will be my God. She is all in. So not just all in on her identity of people of covenant, but she's all in with who she's serving. Which God? Are you serving Chamosh, the bully God? Dagon, the fish god, uh, Molech, Baal, they, they kind of interchange. When you study these gods of the, the, back in the day, they kind of borrowed gods, kind of like Poseidon and Neptune, like the Romans and the Greeks. They, they got the same god, different names. They did stuff like that. I get so confused when I study these gods. It's confusing and frustrating, but the bottom line is I know like none of them are real, except for demons. Because the New Testament tells us behind every idol is a demon. So it's not like, oh, that statue means nothing. It, no, there's something behind that statue. Go try and plant a church in Pakistan and tell me that how they worship doesn't affect your heart and your spirit with the Lord. There's dark places on planet Earth because they worship false gods and there's demonic entities and strongholds over them. And I, when we went to Vermont in 1994, I was very fascinated that Billy Graham, Charles Finney, and um, D.L. Moody never did any crusades in the state of Vermont. It's one of the few states that none of those guys ever visited. Also, by the way, if you never knew this, but we're the, in Mormonism, uh, Moriah the angel, when he appeared to uh, Joseph Smith, it's in upstate New York, right by Plattsburgh, which is 20 miles from where I lived in Vermont. You know, the Bible talks about strongholds, principalities and powers. Let me tell you, there's a demonic stronghold over Vermont. It's the darkest, most oppressive place I've ever been to in my entire life. But I have to tell you, in all honesty, coming back to California, it's pretty oppressive here. If you're only here and you only know this, you'd think this is the way it is for everybody. But when you go to some other places where laws are more favorable to the church and good health care, better health care than what we get here, 
and there's more options and, and government trusts you to make your own adult decisions as opposed to try and force them on you and impose them on you, you'd be surprised how happy the people are. You'd be surprised how different it feels to go grocery shopping and go to the bank and just go around and live life where people don't live under oppression in fear of mandates and control and bullying. And I must tell you, coming back to California, I'm just being transparent. It is oppressive. Every time I come back from other places that there's more freedom of personal choice to hear, it, you feel the oppression. And coming back this trip, it reminded me like when I used to go back to Vermont. It's like, oh, man, like, but, you know, we're not backing down from being the church in the state of California or anywhere else on planet Earth. You just have to fight through the oppression. It's like the famine for in, in, the, in the time of Amimelech and Naomi and Ruth. We didn't ask for the famine. We just got one. And how we frame it, how we go through it, and how we live in it and make of it between us and the Lord, that's what's going to stand for all eternity. Famines come and go. Chamosh, the bully God, he'll come and go. But Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's over all these things. But if you feel like it's discouraging, oppressive, and people don't want to look at you when you're at the crosswalk going to the beach, mask or no mask, everyone keeps their distance and unfriendly, yeah, that is the way it is. And that's not the way it used to be. But that's our world. But I don't want to bring Chamosh into that equation. I want to bring Jesus, Jehovah, Yahweh into that equation. Because Jehovah is a loving God. Because God so loved the world, he gave his son. It's the greatest act of love we can understand. That's Jehovah God, God of the burning bush, God of Mount Sinai. And I want to bring up, that's why I told you a couple weeks ago, I hate the mask because it disconnects you in the human experience of facial expressions of joy and sadness and hmm, and all those things that we're taught to read in kindergarten. Like I said, there's the chart there in kindergarten. I'm happy, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm hurt, all these things. And now you just put a mask over any face and all those emotions are gone. And who gave humanity emotions? God did. Who showed emotions? Jesus did. So whatever medical things these things do or don't do, to me, I fall back on what I do know. God designed us to be interactive and to live the human experience and to cry together like these daughters-in-law who shared grief with their mother-in-law and to rejoice together when grandchildren are born when you called yourself bitterness, Mara. We're meant to live the human experience, not hide behind a veil in the human experience. So all medical things aside... I fall back on what I do know. We're meant to be interpersonal. A man who isolates himself is not good, the Bible says. Your God will be my God. I'm all in with you. Your God's going to be so my God that I don't even know it, but a thousand years from now, one of my descendants is going to give birth to God himself, the incarnation. Ruth is in the genealogy for Mary and Joseph on both sides. Right back to David. And to Grandpa Obed. Isn't that, like, it's amazing. This woman said, your God will be my God. How could she know that she would be in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? You just never know when you say, your God will be my God, where it's going to take you and what your legacy will be a thousand years from now. Your God will be my God. And Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came through her descendants, and she's in both genealogies. 
So don't underestimate the value and the power and the conviction when you say, your God will be my God. Jesus, you are my God. Jesus is Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm your servant. Don't underestimate what that means because you might think, I'm just going to go to Israel and I'm hoping for free food in this field from the gleanings of the field. And God's like, no, you have no idea what I have for you. My son, when my son, the eternal God, comes into the world, he's going to come through your sentence and you're going to get credit for it. Because he's coming for all nations, and you're from another nation, and you're going to fit in the genealogy to show everyone that I said had a plan all along to bring Gentiles into my kingdom. Every non-Jew that's ever saved in eternity is going to look back on the precursor and the prequel before my son came and before the gospel was ever preached, and they're going to see your name a thousand years before he came a thousand years before my son is born of the virgin in Bethlehem, you're going to go back, pick up barley pieces from that field within a few square miles, and you're going to be there as the poorest of the poor, benefiting from my welfare program and the law, and you'll have no idea that a thousand years from now, my son, born of the virgin, is coming through your line. Man, I have not seen nor ear heard those things that God has prepared for those who love him. I tell you, the Lord says, if I told you what I was going to do, a work in your day, you wouldn't even believe it if I told it to you. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Your God will be my God. All it takes is this faith of a mustard seed to start walking in the right direction toward Jesus. And then who knows what's going to happen a thousand years later when you've left planet Earth, what the legacy of your faith will be and your willingness to put Christ before, put, put Jehovah God before all relationships, before your false gods, and go this way. Which kind of brings us back to her only understanding of Jehovah is, in her mind and through Naomi's uh, theology, Jehovah took her son, her son, her husband, and her, her, her father-in-law. And the theology of Naomi's like, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. The hand of Jehovah is against me. But like I mentioned on Tuesday night, though Ruth, though Naomi didn't feel that God had kindness for her, he did, she did feel that God had kindness for them. And she said, may the Lord show you kindness. So she believed that God is kind, but not to her. So she was correct in her theology to some extent, but she was wrong to another extent. Because at the end of this book, is Naomi with her grandson, like this. And if you've never had a grandkid, uh, Don, uh, Don James, Don and Shannon James, a deacon in our church, they just had their, their grandson in Maryland or in Pennsylvania about a week ago. And, you know, first I got the private photo. It's like, oh, man, awesome. And then, like, now it's all the Instagram photos. Like, and, you know, it's not just one photo. You don't do that with your first grandkid. No, it's just a slider. One, two, three, four, five. Because it's exciting, so the woman who said, call me bitter, not pleasant, his book ends where she's like, wink, like that. You know, like, you just have no idea when, some of us do, but we really still don't know, like, when we go all in with the Lord, what he has for us. That we can say in 2022, your people are my people. We love the church and we love God's people. And Jesus is Lord of my life, all of my life. And I'm believing him for what I'm facing today. And I'm believing him for what I'm facing tomorrow. And the paths that I can't change, I'm giving to him. I'm, I'm all in. Like, clinging. Just clinging. I'm all in. 
And you know, Naomi's sort of like, you know, when the woman had the flow of blood and she touched Jesus, she grabbed the tassel and she grabbed the tassel and she wasn't letting go. And she had faith to be healed, Jesus said. There's always a flashpoint of faith. So even if our witness isn't the best witness, and if we've blown our witness, particularly in the last two years, we're still the tassel. We're still, even if we're Naomi saying, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, like we're Eeyore, like, oh, man. Oh, I lost my job because of this, or I did that, and now I'm sick, or whatever. Like, you just, you know, so like, you know what? Forget about it. You're still an ambassador of Jesus Christ if you've given your life to him. And we're still a flashpoint of faith for desperate humanity to grab onto the king through our lives. And I want people grabbing onto Jesus through me in 2022, through us, through his church worldwide in 2022. What could be more worth living for in 2022 than to have non-believers grab onto Jesus through your life? That's a life to be lived. No matter how oppressive or dark you live may seem spiritually or practically. It's how you frame it. Famine, everybody's dying. Your people are my people, your God's my God. It's all how you frame it through the eyes of faith. In verse 18, this closing thought, she said, it says that she was determined. And this was the big challenge on Tuesday night as well, and it's my challenge to me. I asked myself, how determined am I to really not be like cruise control or autopilot? One thing about driving across country on the 10, you really can't go autopilot. You can't kind of in West Texas for parts, but when you're driving Louisiana on the 10 or Houston, between Beaumont and then Beaumont toward Port Ch- Lake Charles and Baton Rouge, like, you, you, you got to be all in. Your head's got to be on a swivel. There's trucks everywhere. You get back on the freeway, you're, you're back in the game. You can't autopilot that. You just can't. There's just too much going on when you drive across country. I, I would maybe want to use cruise, cruise control. I only use it a couple of times in West Texas where like, it's just a gift that keeps on giving for hundreds of miles. San Antonio, El Paso. 500 miles. But even so, you still got to pay attention because there's 50 dead deer on a 100-mile stretch, which means they're coming anytime. So head on a swivel. That's how we're meant to live our life. To be so determined, to be so focused, to be so in, that we're, just, we're not on cruise control. And I don't think any of us really are. I mean, we're here on Saturday night on the 15th of January, 2022. I do not think, believe, or if you're tuning in, that you're on cruise control. But we like cruise control. I like cruise control. Like, oh, hey. These smart cars. Oh, hey, look at me. Right? Why do you think they're making these things like this? Because we like that. We gravitate toward easy, soft, complacent. And again, Pastor Tuck used to say, the difference between a rut and a grave is depth and width. We are not in a rut. I don't believe we are. I don't believe I am. I hope I'm not. And if I am, I better get out of it quickly for all of our sake. But we want to be determined. So worship generation, body of Christ, I just want to encourage us to be very determined 
to, be, to keep the things of Jesus fresh, to keep the praise of Jesus fresh, to keep the calling of Jesus fresh, to keep the promises of Jesus fresh, because they were so fresh and powerful and alive and active, to Ruth. She wanted everything. The people of God, the promises of God, God himself, Jehovah. And she's willing to let go of everything she knew because she was all in. So my challenge to me from this first chapter of Ruth is to be all in. Because sometimes I'm not all in. But we, we got we to gotta, we gotta bring it. We got to bring the fire. We got to bring the juice. We got to bring the A-game, man. We got we to, Church of Jesus Christ, we got to be all in. We need the determination of Ruth going after Naomi in Ruth chapter 1. Your people are my people. Your God's my God. We need to be all in, whatever it takes. So that's my goal for 2022. And I hope it's inspiring to you to learn from her life. That'd be your goal as well. No looking back. We can't look back. Forget Chamosh, the family behind, whatever God, you know, like, just forward. Fully determined. Framing it through faith and confidence in the living God in a new year. Famine or no famine. Whatever, we're crossing the Jordan. I'm going to go be with your people and your God. Amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.